to that series that goes right along with what we've been doing for the last six weeks on our love revolution. Let's see here. We're going to get it. There it is, our love revolution. So if you haven't been here the past five weeks or so, this is number six, uh, I really want to encourage you to go back to the beginning. I'm not going to do a review of the last five lessons. Um, We'll just do a little something. But I had to show you this. Our son-in-law, Matt, who that looks like, (laughs) sent this to our daughter this week. He said, He was living in the love dimension, so he's getting it. Amen. (laughs) I thought that was fun. (laughs) Uh, Well, about the love revolution, um, uh, there's a we 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 started with uh, with the fact that God that people are seeking for love, and what that means is they're seeking God because God is love, and that the best place they're going to find that is in you. So really, people are seeking you. They're seeking lovers. Jeff, let's play that song. Jeff and the manual. Let's play that song. If you've been around a while, you may remember this song. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. It's the only thing that Last week in class five, lesson five, we discussed uh, the two points, uh, two points that come out of the mirror translation that tells us to remain debt-free. The only thing we owe the world is our love. Your only option is to esteem a fellow human with equal value to yourself. Everything love does is to the advantage of another. Therefore, love is the most complete expression of what the law requires. And the first point we got out of that is that love is other-centered. Romans 13.10, everything love does is to the advantage of another. We found that Jesus came for us. He did. He lived his life for another. He gave up his life for another. He valued us enough to do that. And likewise, that love of being other-centered is for what we have to do or what we're doing as well, what we're here for. And the second point from those scriptures is that love esteems others as equal to ourselves, as Romans 13, 9 in the mirror so wonderfully says that your only option is to esteem a fellow human with equal value to yourself. And we began to talk about, you know, that song that says, love, sweet love, not just for some, but for everyone. And so what we want to do is esteem everyone as equal to ourselves. And that what God wants, and that in order to esteem other people as equal to ourselves, one of the big things we have to come to grips with is not being judgmental. Because as soon as we're judgmental, we have now said, I'm superior and you're inferior. And equality has gone away. So in order to love as though we're equal, we've got to get rid of judgments in our lives. And God is busy breaking down walls, and I think I might have this up here, breaking down walls of separation between us and people who seem to be different than us. And the key to knocking down that wall, which is a wall of judgment, is to regard each person as equal to ourselves. And it's not just about, if we're not going to be superior to other people, 
It's not just about we have something to give to them, but they have something to give to us. And so when you find somebody different from yourself, rather than thinking, well, boy, do they need Jesus, and do I have it for them? Well, yes, maybe they do need Jesus, maybe you do have Jesus for them, but what do they have for you? Are we on an equal footing with these people? Well, I would hope so, because we're all created in his image. He's died for all people. He's regarding no man according to the flesh. We are all equal. But that's part of this love revolution. As Christians, we've talked about this, that you know, love is not a new subject in Christianity. But I think that love that cr treats every human being truly as equal is a revolution. Versus having an agenda of, I'm gonna get you where you need to go so that you can be more like me and that you may have very good intentions, we do as Christians. We want them to know the Jesus we love. And that's great. Don't get rid of that. But change your superiority attitude to one of equality and see what you really honor that other person. Really respect them by letting them pour into your heart as well with things that they have to give. And then there was one more point that Jeff defined the word revolution for us. It's a sudden, radical, or complete change. A fundamental change in the way of thinking, a change of paradigm, or paradigm, however you pronounce it. And that paradigm, again, is that we would love even the world. We would love people who are different. I don't believe this is a series of six sermons. I believe there's a real revolution going on, at least here at Genesis at the very least here at Genesis. But I do think we read books like Steve McVeigh and, and others, and we see, can see that it's going on all over the world, that God's bringing a revolution to our world. And personally, I want to be part of it. So now we're going to start with today's lesson, and we have another song for you for this morning. Go ahead, guys. Doobie Brothers. <laughs> Barb gave me this song yesterday and I told her I said I never knew the lyrics <laughs> so she said well here's the deal this particular verse reminds me of this she said it reminds me of a family where uh, kids have been disowned by their loved ones maybe because of their lifestyle choices or their beliefs and some may never get to go home perhaps we're the only family they can come home to where would they be without our love yeah, good word, huh?
Hey, I think it's an interesting to note something. You know, these songs weren't planned so much. They've just come up. I mean, I kind of, like, the second, the, the one we played earlier, you know, we started out with the Beatles, a couple of Beatles songs, and, and then one day I woke up and this song was running through my head, What the World Needs Now is Love, Sweet Love. I mean, I'm not coming up with these on purpose. They're just happening. And I'm now realizing why it has to do with our message. It has to do with we're going to love the whole world. Because we would call this secular music, non-Christian music, worldly music. No such thing. No such thing. God loves every single human being. And that's where we're going. We're going in this church to love every single human being without judgment, without separation, without calling them names, without calling us names. We are one in Christ. So let's look at our theme verse for today. And it is 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 through 12 in the New International Version. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. I want you first of all to see that the love of God sins. The love of God sins. I also want you to see that the love of God is passionate. And while it doesn't say that in this verse, we'll see a, another verse in a little while, but think about it. If, you, if the greatest love that a person can have is to lay down their lives for another, John 15, 13, and Jesus laid down his life for us, that is the greatest love possible. It is passionate love. It is saying, I am so passionate about you, I'll lay me down for you. Philippians chapter 2, quite clear. We, we're going to talk about this again in a minute. But it says that Jesus, who was God and had the right to stay in divinity, gave it up, humbled himself, became a man, became a servant, became obedient even to the point of death for you and me. Now that's got to be passionate love. So I'm going to word it this way in our sermon this morning, the love of God sins, this love of God is passionate, and that the passionate love of God sins, that's really what I would like to have titled this morning, the passionate love of God sins, S-E-N-D-S. All of these things that God did here was passionate. Passion, here's some definition. Fervency, a fervent love, an intense love, a fiery love, a consuming love. And it's a love that motivates. And of course, we read in 1 John chapter 4 that that's the love we're to have. But the, you know, it's the love, you know, we have Jesus inside of us. It's the love we already have. All it is is, Shucking off all the stuff that gets in the way and letting that love flow. The passionate, this passionate love motivated God to send Jesus that we might live through him. It motivated, this passionate love motivated the apostles to accept their being sent to the world to leave home, leave comfort, leave family as far as we know, go into places that weren't necessarily friendly, not they weren't necessarily wanted, they weren't necessarily accepted. 
and be witnesses, telling people about Jesus. And even so much so, this passionate love led them. The majority of the original apostles were martyred for their faith. That's how passionate this love was. Love so motivated Stephen to be sent to the widows. You know, he was one of the, the deacons that was appointed. He accepted that sending to the widows to simply give them their daily food and their daily care. And then pro- following up on that, he was also telling the Jews about Jesus. And they didn't like his message. And he was stoned. And you know what his last words were? Father, don't put this to their charge. Don't put this sin to their charge. Now that's got to be some sort of passionate love that would motivate that kind of response to being stoned for your faith. And then there's, of course, Paul. And Paul tells it like this. Now these are Paul's words in 2 Corinthians 5. Love the passion version of this. For it is Christ's love that fuels our passion and motivates us. Because we are absolutely convinced that he has given his life for all of us. This means all died with him so that those who live should no longer live self-absorbed lives, but lives that are poured out for him. The one who died for us and now lives again. So then, from now on, we have a new perspective. So all of this passion and love produced a new perspective that refuses to evaluate people merely by their outward appearances, how they live their lives, the decisions they make, where they go, the people they hang around with, the food they eat, this color of their skin, their nationality. But instead, what we are, are ambassadors of the anointed one who carry the message of Christ to the world. So this passion and love fueled him to be sent and carry the message of Christ to the world. But that's not all. Let's just look at how much it fueled him. Look at these verses here where he continues to talk. This is in a different chapter, a different letter. And he says this, I've worked harder. This is what the love and passion fueled in him. I have worked harder, been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number, and faced death again and again. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Now, I just have to say to you, we could stop there, and I would have to ask myself, would I have gone on? I don't know that I would or could have. I mean, talk about traumatized. Wouldn't you be a little scared to get back out there again? Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. There's more. (laughs) I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced danger from rivers and from robbers. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. Wow. How do you do it? I have faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, and on the seas. And I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers, but are not. I have worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. Oh, I had such a hard week, I couldn't sleep last night. 
How did he do that? I have been hungry and thirsty and have often gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. And then besides all this, I have the daily burden of my concern for all the churches. And there's more. When I was in Damascus, the governor under King Eretus kept guards at the city gates to catch me. And I had to be lowered in a basket through a window in the city wall to escape from him. I don't have this scripture up there. And then in Acts chapter 20, he says in verse 23, he says, that's 24, I've got 23. It says that I don't know what, he's going to, I'm bound by the spirit to go to Jerusalem. I don't know what awaits me except that the Holy Spirit tells me in city after city. Now the Holy Spirit's telling him in city after city, that jail and suffering lie ahead. And now, verse 24, but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for the finishing, for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus Christ, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. Wow. Now that's a passion fueled by the love of God. God's passionate love sends and it sent Jesus to the world for the world. And the passionate love of Jesus sent the apostles to the world for the world. Is the very world word apostles means sent ones. So Jesus sent the apostles and they were fueled obviously by a passion and a love to go to the world and for the world. Not in superiority, right? But we're going in equality with the love of God as ministers of reconciliation. Now that same passionate love sends us to the world, for the world. Not in superiority, but in a spirit of honor and respect and reconciliation and oneness and love. So folks, what does this mean? What does this love revolution mean to us here at Genesis? As an apostolic church, and as I believe that's what we are, this is what we're here to do is to be sent, to send people to the world, for the world, to love the world. And I'm not sure what I have up here, let's see. Send people to the world, for the world, and not just for some, not respecting just some and not others. Sorry, I can't talk to you because whichever thing it is, but for everyone. So how does that actually play out here at Genesis? How this works? First of all, you are the sent ones. You are the ones who are being sent. And some of the things that are currently happening as a group here at Genesis, and you all have heard us talk about it, you're aware of it, we talk about it all the time, we're so excited about it. Hot Dog Wednesday, we have someone here today. We have more than one who's here because of Hot Dog Wednesday. Because of Bingo, we have this wonderful congregation of people that we love and are getting to know better at our, at our Bingo sessions. There's the Healing Cafe on Friday night. 
We're looking forward to the day that we can have children and their families here in a daycare we're being sent to them. We have some representatives here from a ministry called Growing Home, and we're going to be participating with them in housing homeless families overnight here in our building. These are all ways that we are being sent to the world, for the world, to love people no matter what station in life they may be in. Now, whether or not you participate in any of those in particular, you're, of course, sent to your workplace to the people you work with, the people you meet there, the people you talk to on the phone with, to your marketplace, maybe the cashier, maybe somebody you're pushing your grocery cart and they're coming around the corner and they're pushing their grocery cart. Maybe it's somebody at a sporting event. Maybe it's somebody at your child's school. Maybe it's a teacher or teachers. Maybe it's the swim teacher. Maybe it's the baseball teacher, uh, coach, not teacher, right? <laughs> Whoever it is. Maybe it's your neighborhood. You're being sent to show the love of God, that unconditional love and respect and honor that breaks down walls and that cares because you're sent to the world as a living epistle, a living epistle, a living letter of 1 Corinthians 13, the love letter, right? to your neighbor, to the people around you. Secondly, here at Genesis, we send ministry leaders. And while we don't have any particular um, program in place yet, we will. But over the years that we've had this church, we've had many ministry leaders come in to Genesis who have been trained, who have learned, and who have gone back out to their next assignment. We've had, and you don't know this because you wouldn't know this, but we've had ministry leaders who have come in who are hurting, who are hurt from things that have happened in ministry, hurt from people, just like everybody gets hurt, right? But they're hurt. They're needing somebody who can listen and understand and talk to them and help them through it. We've had ministers and ministry leaders come in who have troubled marriages. You wouldn't know this. It's not something to advertise, but it's happened right here at Genesis. And they've gotten healed and they've worked through marital problems and then they've gone back out to their next assignment. So the apostolic nature of Genesis plays a role in preparing leaders to be sent. And then I want to get back to you. That third, you are sent right here in this building to the people who come to this building. You're sent to the person right next to you. So turn to somebody and give them a smile, pat them on the hand, because you're sent to them. You're sent to them. You're sent to that person. You're sent to the new people whose names you don't know who come into our doors. You're sent down the hall to our kids' ministry, our kids' club, our teens, and our nurseries. The passionate love of Jesus sends you to do these things. The passionate love of Jesus has motivated a ministry leader couple and their entire family to come on a Saturday and spend five hours cleaning our church from top to bottom after we lost our maintenance man who moved to another city. That's what the passionate love of Jesus has motivated. The passionate love of Jesus has motivated people to get here early on Sunday morning, set up food, set up sound, do cleaning, um, do setup, uh, get ready for ministries, out the children's ministries, uh, get ready in here to distribute materials, also that, to greet, also that when people come in here, they feel comfortable and ready to receive from what the Lord has for them. So you're sent and I'm sent 
to do those things as part of what God does here at Genesis. And then last, in relationship to the love revolution at Genesis, I want to point out that, again, and a little more clearly, that our love is for the whole world, not part of the world, but the whole world. And I think here at Genesis we have to ask ourselves, are we ready to be so godlike that we allow the love of God to come through us for everyone? No matter, again, what their skin color, their political belief, their nationality, their age, their education, their socioeconomic status, their lifestyle. Can we love each person so much that we welcome them at Genesis as one of us? Belong, believe, become, you know, our ethos. Can they really belong here as one of us, even if they're maybe even extremely different from us in what we believe? Is it possible that the only thing we might have in common with them here in Genesis is that we're searching out our walk of faith? You know, there have traditionally been lifestyles that are not accepted in Christian churches and, and sometimes still aren't. And as I've been, com when I was coming up in the faith 30, 35 years ago, 40 years ago, the big hot topic, one of the big hot topics was divorce. <clears throat> it still is in some churches not here, and if you were divorced, you may not be welcome in the church, and you definitely were not welcome to do any kind of ministry. You could come and you can sit and you can receive, but I won't have you raise your hand, but I bet there's a whole ton of us in here who've been divorced. Aren't we thankful that that's not hanging over our heads as a requirement to use our gifts and our talents or to be welcomed into a church, but instead to be able to be loved and respected wherever we are in our walk of life. So another hot topic, and it exists of course still today, has been having sexual relationships outside of marriage, perhaps even living together, not married. Are these people allowed in the Christian church? Are they allowed to use their gifts and their talents? Well, you know this has got to lead me on to the next one, don't you? possibly the hottest topic that we're all facing is the LGBTQ community. It's a mouthful. And in case anybody doesn't know what that is, I'll just say it out loud. It's the lesbians, the gays, the bisexual, the transgender, the questioning, and the queer. If it's Q plus or QQ, that's what those stand for. So can these people who are living in these lifestyles be welcomed in the Christian church can they use their gifts and their talents? Is there someone we should leave out of our expression of the love of God? Or is there someone who we should not equally value? I have to tell you a little story, and I'm getting close to the end. Um, a beloved young man that we know recently decided to make it public that he was gay. And he said a very interesting thing in his writings. He said, you know, if you loved me yesterday, if you admired me yesterday, if you respected me yesterday, if you appreciated me yesterday, if you thought I had something good to offer yesterday, 
If you wanted to be my friend yesterday, now that you know I'm gay, has that changed? Good question, huh? So we want you to know that here at Genesis, any person I've named, plus all others, are welcomed as one of us here at Genesis. And how each person walks out their journey of faith is between them and God. So no matter if you're sitting here now or if someone new comes in, there's, these are the things that would cause us to take some action or make some decisions or have a discussion. It won't be their lifestyle, it will be these things. Is what they're doing bringing harm to someone else? That would require some action. And are they being divisive in how they conduct their beliefs? We'd certainly have to have some discussions about that. But it won't be strictly because of lifestyle choices. At Genesis, we welcome each person who wants to further their faith journey, no matter what they currently believe. So that's how all this love revolution works out here at Genesis. We believe in breaking down the walls of separation. We b believe in bringing a message of reconciliation, of oneness, of equality, and of unconditional love to every person. In a few minutes, I'm, we're going to have some time of prayer. I want to tell you one more story. We're going to invite you forward, and, and if you would like to pray and say, yes, Lord, I want to be part of a love revolution. If you'd like to pray and say, boy, I don't know if I have that kind of love in my heart, Lord, help me, help me with that unconditional love, then we want to pray for you. But I want to tell you a story that happened to me a few years ago, and I think it's one of the pivotal points of the love revolution in my life. So I was at a wedding, and uh, Jeff and I had gotten there early, and he wasn't sitting with me at the moment, wasn't hardly anybody there, and at that moment, two gentlemen came and sat right in front of me, and um, after a little while, I wasn't looking for it, it just kind of came into my awareness that they were gay. And they're probably in their 50s, I would say. And after a few minutes, the guy right in front of me turned to me and said, so do you know if we're, you know, which side is the bride's side and which side is the groom's side? And, well, I'd actually been thinking about that myself. I said, you know, I was wondering that too. I said, hey, I have my, my phone, I can look it up. So as I'm looking it up, he proceeds to say, well, he said, this is the second of two marriage weddings I've been to this month. And I said, oh, really? He said, yes. He said, there's this one and the first one was ours, he and the other guy. And straight up out of my spirit came this word. Shocked me. I didn't know it was coming. And it was, congratulations. Now I have to tell you, I would have never at that stage ever said that to two gay people getting married because I didn't believe in it. I might have said, oh, I'm a very loving person. I can love. And I can love people of different, and I could have just loved them. I, could have been, I would have probably said, oh, I see. I would have said something like that if it had come out of my head, out my mouth. But it came out, I am convinced, straight up out of my spirit and out my mouth. And the next thing that happened is my entire being was filled with love for these men. And the rest of the evening, all I wanted to do was be around them. I wanted to be around them, I wanted to talk to them, I wanted to love on them, I wanted them to know they were accepted and loved 
That's all I wanted. It was all I could think about the rest of the night other than I, you know, going being glad for the wedding, of course. But it was so, this love so filled my heart. And I think a love revolution by the Spirit of God started in me, and that was several years ago. So I'm not here to judge a person's lifestyle. It's not my job, and I'm not going to. How a person lives their life is between them and God. How you live your life is between you and God, not between you and me. Now, if you come to me for help, if you come to me and want to talk and, and, and pray things through and look through scripture and think things through, well, we can reason together and see where the Lord leads you. But it's between you and God. And you are welcome here. And for our live streaming communion, community, no matter what you believe, you are welcome here. So we want to pray. And we want to give that opportunity for whatever... You know, the God of unconditional love jumped up out of me through my mouth that day and then through my whole being. And that may not even be your issue. I don't know what everybody in here is working through or not working through, but here's the call. If you would like to be part of a love revolution that loves everybody, if you would like to have more of the love of God flow through you, I tell you something, I have had some of the hardest time since preaching this message loving people. I don't get it. I have said frequently, Lord, why in the world are you having me preach this message while I'm having such a difficult time? <laughs> well, we're still, work God and I, we're working that out, <laughs> okay? So maybe you're having that problem as well. I don't know, but if you want to be a person that says, I want to love like God loves more than I ever have before, then I'm gonna invite you up here, uh, Pastor Barb, Pastor Chad, Pastor Marissa, Pastor Jeff, we'll all be up here. And actually, Catherine, I'd like you to pray as well. And uh, we're going to be praying for you. So we have some music, and I'm going to tell you what. We're starting with the non-religious song. We're starting with the song that says, what the world needs now is love, sweet love, not just for some, but for everyone. And that's how we're going to pray, because God uses even that music. Amen. Amen. Amen.